This is the Citizen of Heaven podcast number 249, Comfort. I'm Hal Hammonds, Citizen of Heaven, your embedded correspondent in Satan's world. Thanks for listening, rating, and subscribing. My dad's funeral is this week, so comfort is on my mind. I've gotten a lot over the last few weeks, so I'm here to share some with you. This week we will discuss Paul's counterintuitive and yet foolproof recipe for contentment, my own favorite warm and fuzzy book, which is in places anything but warm and fuzzy, perhaps the music industry's best example of a feel-good song, and the place I go for comfort and the effort I'm willing to expend to get there. We'll start with what I've been preaching. If you don't have your hands full right this very minute, count with me the number of times Paul uses the word comfort as I read 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 7. Quote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction, through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that as you share in the sufferings, so you will also share in the comfort. End quote. That's eight comforts in five verses in the Christian Standard Bible, and I bet your version is pretty much the same. Clearly, Paul thought comfort was a pretty important concept as he picked up a pen to write to the church in Corinth for the second time. Part of that, no doubt, was because of the nature of the first letter. He goes on to mention in 2 Corinthians 7, 8 and following that his previous letter, which almost certainly refers to what we call 1 Corinthians, was not pleasant to read, nor was it intended to be. The church in Corinth was struggling with a wide variety of moral and doctrinal problems, and a nice pat on the head from Paul would not have fixed anything. It was time for a swift kick in the pants instead. But as he goes on to state, the inflicting of sorrow is never an end unto itself. Correction is needful from time to time, but comfort is always the objective. The all-powerful God of heaven could, I suppose, supply comfort to us by taking away all our problems and opponents. He chooses not to do so, and by faith we believe there must be a reason for that. Paul seems to be saying in 2 Corinthians 1 that, at least in part, we find comfort at the end of sorrow to better appreciate the sorrows of Jesus himself. When we suffer for his cause, it reminds us of what he willingly suffered in our cause. Is there anything more comforting than knowing Jesus loved you enough to die on the cross for you? Paul's own sufferings are part of the equation also. He goes on in chapter 11 to give a breakdown of the things he has suffered to that point so that souls could receive the gospel of Jesus. And according to what we read in the last 10 chapters of Acts, Paul's suffering has only just begun. But he's willing to endure whatever it takes for the sake of the people he loves. And as his fellowship with his brethren grows, they are more and more able to take comfort in the fact that Paul himself took comfort. Because Paul was able to face adversity, it encouraged them, and encourages us today as we read 2 Corinthians, to face adversity with patience, courage, and even joy. Paul provides the key to finding comfort in trying times, both through his own example and through the example of Jesus. And it's not what you might think. 
He says the key to finding comfort in your own life is prioritizing the comfort of others. At no point does Paul cry out for the Corinthians to help him shoulder his load somehow, nor did Jesus complain about his own uncomfortable circumstances. As verse 4 reads, he comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. The main reason God comforts us, Paul writes, is so that we can be in better position to comfort others. It's never about you and your problems. It's always about what God has done for you and what you can do for someone else. Maybe you're one of the millions of people today who requires comforting. I hope and pray something I or other Christians do can help you bear your burden a little bit more effectively. But let me ask something of you, for the sake of comfort givers everywhere, but especially for your own sake. Receive that comfort, give thanks to the people responsible and especially to God, and then take that comfort to someone else. If you're nothing more than a habitual sponge for comfort, you're missing the point. Circumstances will occasionally keep you from being as able to render aid as you would like. But loving your neighbor is not a situational requirement. It's a lifestyle. And when your ability to show love is inhibited temporarily, that only makes it all the more important to re-engage when you receive the comfort you need. Gratitude demands it. Your brother needs it. Your Savior requires it. So seek comfort when you need it. We all do from time to time. But remember always, someone else is seeking it too, and they need it just as much as you do. This is what I've been reading. I ask myself again, is Watership Down my favorite book of all time? I answer again, I don't know, and it's up there. It's the first book I thought of when I started planning this podcast episode. I haven't read it in years. In fact, recently I couldn't find my copy. I think I loaned it out and haven't gotten it back. In any event, I bought a backup copy recently just in case. Best $3 investment ever. Watership Down is a comfort read. There's certainly tension, even bloodshed. But by and large, it's a book about rabbits. I mean, how uncomfortable could it be, right? Hazel and the rabbits following him struggle mightily to find a permanent home. And they struggle to build it and keep it once they get there. But they're never unhappy. They welcome challenges. They look to the future with concern, but not fear. Bad news is part of life, but not the biggest part. You don't ignore it, but you don't dread it either. It can be a delicate balance to strike, for humans as well as for rabbits. Hazel and the others happen upon two warrens of rabbits in their travels that show the extremes of comfort. The Sandalford Warren, the first collective of rabbits they meet, is obsessed with comfort. They never work. They never watch for trouble. Ample and delicious food is simply dropped on their doorstep, as it were, by a farmer who just really, really likes rabbits, it seems. Isn't that nice? In reality, of course, he likes rabbits for supper. And the piles of vegetables come with deadly snares. But at Sandalford, they have collectively chosen the path of least resistance. It's better to be lazy and full, even if one or two of your friends don't come home with you. Humans play that dangerous game as well. Even Christians will toy with destructive forces, hoping they can have their delicious cake and eat it too. They will keep the evil companionships that corrupt good morals. They'll entertain the wolves in sheep's clothing. They'll surrender the flock instead of protecting it. 
God's way is much too much work. It's painful. We have shows to watch, games to play. And all the while, Satan is smacking his lips on the end of the chain God has placed him on, knowing plenty of souls will stumble into his orbit because they just won't try hard enough to stay out of it. The other extreme for the rabbits is at Ephrathah, where comfort is seen as toxic. The awareness of danger is so acute that satisfaction and peace are seen as evil forces. Their leader calls himself General Woundwort. Sounds like the villain in a James Bond film. But no, he's still a rabbit. Except he's a rabbit who seems to hate most other rabbits. After all, outside rabbits bring disease. But it's not disease he's most worried about. It's diversity of thought and behavior. His way is best. His way works. All other ideas must necessarily be bad ones. Otherwise, naturally, he would have thought of them himself. There's no room at all for flexibility. Every change of circumstance is a war. Good thing he's a general then, I guess. And far be it from me to discourage vigilance in the presence or even potential of danger. It's a crazy world out there, and we're on Satan's menu every day. But Philippians 4.4 is as much a command as Jude 3. Yes, we contend earnestly for the faith, but we can rejoice in the Lord while we do it. Grace and peace are words present in virtually every salutation Paul gives to his brethren. And I'm convinced that peace is absent in a lot of places because grace wasn't ever there in the first place. Sometimes there's war, and you can't do anything about that. Sad but true. But sometimes war is there because making war has become the norm. Don't be so vigilant in your defense against evil that you forget the joy that's found in Jesus. And don't be so obsessed with comfort that you convince yourself evil isn't a danger at all. People smile and tell me I'm the lucky one. This is what I've been hearing. And we've just begun. Think I'm gonna have some. I'll start talking in a minute. For now, just listen to Kenny Loggins. He will be like she and me as fears of dove. Conceived in love. Sun is gonna shine above. Even though we ain't got money. I'm so in love with honey everything will bring a chain of love and In the morning when I rise You bring a tear of joy to my eyes And tell me everything's gonna be alright When Kenny Loggins was just 18 years old, he wrote a song for his older brother Danny on the occasion of the birth of Danny's son, Colin. He called it Danny's Song, for obvious reasons. Loggins and his recording partner, Jim Messina, eventually put the song on their debut album, Sitting In. And soon afterward, Anne Murray released her version and made it a big hit. Now Kenny Loggins is a legend in the music business. But Danny's Song may still be his most familiar and popular song, a song that was never a hit for him. I'm tempted to get cynical here and criticize Danny two generations after the fact for bringing a child into the world for no apparent reason other than that he loves his wife, having no evident way of providing for that child, assuming the love in the home will somehow be enough. But I don't feel like doing that today. I'm feeling optimistic. And I'm feeling gracious toward the music industry, which freely promotes the gospel of everything's going to be all right without bothering to tell us exactly how much work and sacrifice will be involved in that. And there is work and sacrifice. Please understand that point. But when it works, you wind up learning lessons you didn't expect to learn. 
and you find out the lifestyle to which you aspired was not nearly as wonderful as the lifestyle you stumbled into on accident. Those are the moments that truly bring a tear of joy to your eyes. Not just in the moment, but for years and years afterward. But still there's that pesky thing about ain't got money. Is it irresponsible to completely ignore the financial implications of your choices? It can be, if you just assume the love and contentment you feel in the moment is necessarily a sign that you're on the right path, and that it'll all work itself out somehow. It will work itself out, certainly. I'll testify to that. But it's a job. Make no mistake. And love will not always be the emotion on the top of the stack. Fatigue, frustration, envy, even despair will work their way into your consciousness. And that's true no matter how much love is at the bottom. The trick is to not put too much of a burden on the love. 1 Corinthians 13.8 says, Love never fails. That's assuming you have God's kind of love. The kind that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And to be blunt about it, that kind of love's in short supply these days. Maybe you're the exception, and God bless you if you are. But either way, you'll have a much better time of it if you don't put more of a strain on your love than is necessary. Love is the comfort you'll need in hard times, and hard times will come. So delight in it. And most importantly, feed it. Feed it every day. Knowing that you have family, friends, and especially a Savior who love you unconditionally, whom you live to love unconditionally in return, will make all the difference when the world is crumbling all around you. A chain of love will fasten you securely to hope, joy, and contentment, especially in your walk with Christ. Strengthen that chain. And listen to Kenny Loggins, and even more so to Jesus. If you revel in his love, if you show that love in your dealings with others, if you remember that love when the bad times come, everything really is going to be all right. This is what I've been playing. The Hammonds family lives in a two-story house currently for the first time in a long time. That has advantages, of course, but the disadvantages are more obvious, especially when you're 57 and a half years old. My life is mostly downstairs, our bedroom, the kitchen, the main living space. My office is upstairs, but I bring my laptop downstairs every night. If I have some last-minute work to do on a Saturday, I'll do it downstairs if I can. Call it lazy if you like. I prefer to think of it as conserving my energy just in case I wind up with grandchildren one of these days. The game room is also upstairs, along with our game collection. So in the evening, after dinner, when it's family time, I'm faced with a choice. There's gaming entertainment upstairs, and there's TV entertainment downstairs. And keep in mind, one of the reasons we got into board gaming in the first place was so that we would watch less TV. We figured family entertainment, whether it's with the girls or just me and Tracy, would be a better bonding experience if we were looking one another in the eye and exchanging thoughts, strategies, and expressions of delight slash dismay than if we were sitting in a dark room staring at a screen with mouths full of popcorn. But that was when we lived in a one-story house. We literally didn't have to leave the room to get to the game table. Now the game room is on a whole other floor. There are 15 steps to climb. There's no food up there. We have to make a deliberate effort now to choose games. And as it happens, we're playing fewer games. Now understand, the games have gotten better over the years. 
We have a bigger selection, including a wide variety of games Kylie will play with me and Tracy. Some of our very favorite games are games we've picked up since we've moved here. And the TV programming has gotten worse, if anything. Plus, the programs from a decade ago or more that were actually worth watching have now been watched, sometimes more than once. But the couch is comfortable. The remote control is in easy reach. Maybe we'll just watch TV tonight. It's not that the comfort offered on the ground floor is worthless, but better comfort can be found with a little bit of effort. And I can safely say, every trip upstairs has been satisfying. Some more than others, of course, but every one better, I think, than what would have been found if we'd stayed downstairs. I'm going to say something here regarding spiritual comfort, and it may sound bad, but it's true. The best comfort I find in my days in Satan's world is in the assembly of saints. I've never in my life regretted getting in the car and driving to the church building. Some hours were more comforting than others, but it was always time and energy well spent. But I will confess, there have been some Wednesday evenings, and maybe a few Sunday mornings as well, when I was not especially enthusiastic about seeing my brethren. Maybe they have been particularly annoying of late. Maybe I was just letting the struggles of life get to me. For better or for worse, though, I'm pretty much forced to get in the car anyway. It's my job. The brethren would not take it well if I decided to take a mental health day instead of preaching and teaching. So I get in the car. And I never regret it. Never. Some days, assembling with the saints just isn't going to happen. Oxen will fall into ditches. But dealing with adverse circumstances to the best of your ability is a far cry from just not working up the gumption to do the right thing. I warn you, the tendency to get those warm feelings when you gather with brethren for worship and study, you can get over that. And it may take a lot less time than you realize. If I were to go without board games for long enough, I could break myself of the habit entirely. That may or may not be a good thing, depending on what I filled the void with. But I promise you, there's nothing to fill the void left when you leave the fellowship of the saints. Whatever substitute you find will leave you lacking whether it's inspirational books, online worship services, or yes, even podcasts. All of them will come up short. Psalm 122.1 reads, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. The gathering of Christians is the best example of the three-strand cord mentioned in Ecclesiastes 4.12. Your iron gets sharpened by introducing it to more iron, according to Proverbs 27.17. We don't quote Hebrews 10.25 to prove that all slackers go to hell, or at least we shouldn't. We quote it so we are all motivated to encourage other Christians, and in so doing, be encouraged ourselves. Plenty of lesser sources of comfort are available to you, but there is no substitute for the real thing. So climb the flight of stairs. It's worth it. There's no telling how high you might get. Thank you for listening to the Citizen of Heaven podcast. Please rate, review, and share so others can access this content. I encourage you also to join the Heaven Citizens Facebook group. There you will find links to related materials, conversation starters, poll questions, and the occasional special announcement. Also check out the How Hammonds channel on YouTube for even more content. Until next time, be strong and courageous, fight the good fight of faith, and do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Hal Hammonds, Citizen of Heaven, signing off.